The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. did a bad thing. What'd you do? I did a thing. Is that how it goes? I did a bad thing. That one song. Uh, I did a thing. I don't know what's... I did a bad... It's a, it's a meme. It's oh, a it's meme. Oh, it's a meme? I'm thinking of the song I did something bad by Taylor Swift. Wow, our brains work so differently. <laughs> we do. Um, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Right now, uh, I have the image of the monkey with the tambourines going on in my head. Just in your because head? I like that image. Whenever you talk about that image, it reminds me of in... How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey mm. when he's trying to get the sounds of all the Who's and Whoville singing yeah. the Christmas music out of his head and the yep. monkey is just banging the cymbals on his head while yeah. Cindy Lou Who surprises him. Yeah, I do that at any point Great in time. Great movie. Well, I do that at any point. A plus movie. I do that at any point in time when I'm on YouTube and I get the Google advertisement for learning more about Google. I get that all the time. You want to learn more about how Google controls your life? Take our class. You'll get a certificate. I get that literally like all the time, and it drives me nuts. You know they say Does that... anyone else get that? Do you get that? Do you get that yes. advertisement? Yeah, yeah. That's, the stupid song. pretty broad advertisement. How about a manager's man? Phone calling. <laughs> or maybe that's the phone. The Google phone. That's what it was. I keep getting that I one, too. I don't know which one. Oh. Yeah, the stupid <laughs> fucking phone. songs they do. No, I... Uh... Oh, Google's evil. Well, maybe. No, yes. Let's... Yeah, hey... They could, they could be listening right now. They obviously are. They listen and control everything. They know I think they're evil. I don't give a shit. They're, they don't give a shit either. They're harvesting my data for free with the FBI, Facebook, and MySpace, and everyone else. Anyway. If you guys think I'm talking about crazy things, it's all true. Okay. All we right, can, Alex Jones. Uh, let's no, move along. America Patriot Act. Patriot Act. Um, welcome to the Wolf and Bull podcast. Uh, you were talking about something that got in your head a second ago and you never got to it because I distracted you. You did. What were you going to say? I can't remember. Now I called you out. You, Awkward. You really, well, uh, yeah. You, maybe you'll remember. You, uh, maybe someday. I have no idea. Well, this is the Wolf and Bull podcast. We are in episode 35. God, it is six years. No, it's going to be five years older than I currently am now. Man, I'm an old man. Um, you know, just as a quick reminder, I do this every episode, but for those of you who are new listeners, if you like what you hear and you think the Wolf and Bull family should grow, I'm going to add Beowulf in there because she's sitting across from me. The bull is in another state, and we've decided it's easier to just do it when he's here in person so we don't get like a weird we pingy cell phone sound. We will soon sound. be with him in person. Yeah, we will. Just, just um, spill the beans a little bit. Yeah. So uh, if you give us a like... or if. You, <laughs> I got to start all over. I got to I got to beg for attention all over. Um, if you think the family should grow, uh, give us a like, a follow on Instagram, and if you're feeling really nice, a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Beowulf Bull and I do this in our spare time, so any assistance is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Which, by the way, is probably going to be a two or three part discussion. This is kind of a long, very complicated, but discussion. an interesting one. Something that uh, yeah, I encourage everyone listening right now to next time you're with your friends you guys are all you know just 
cracking jokes and and drinking whatever beverage of your choice and just having a good time just bring up this topic and see how deep you can take it no you'll start fights <laughs> no that is good no or just say hey listen to this podcast and we'll do all the talking for you that's better that? yeah blame us get mad at us there get mad go. at me because this is something that i think about um so we are going to talk about some very interesting topics today one of which is uh is virtue Something that obviously I think our society has no idea what it is. Um, and frankly, I didn't know uh, to some degree, uh, you know, what it is af until, you know, doing some basic research on this. Uh, here at the Wolf and Bull podcast, Wolf and Bull hyphen Beowulf podcast, uh, we are the most accurate accurate podcast of all time with our opinions uh we are accurate uh 100 of the time 60 percent of the time i think that's how the quote goes um but anyway yeah this is a pretty complicated topic virtue has <sighs> a very wide spread yes incredibly widespread uh it's... there are so many different when you talk about black and white and gray this is yeah. a there's so many Gray. different normative philosophical <laughs> studies associated with it, which I had to dive into. So, well, what's the definition of virtue? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, forgiveness. You know, forgive us or forgive me in particular. If this is like too high level for you, I'm sorry. Uh, this is we only have X amount of time to do this. So I would love to have a dissertation, and that's why we're gonna have two other parts of this, or probably you know two to three, um, or one. It could be a two part thing, but. It, this is going to be very high level. So for those of you who understand virtue pretty deeply, please just bear with me. Um, but yeah, great question. You know, virtue to you, what does virtue mean to you before I answer that? To me off the cuff virtue. See, I want to start saying the definition of like moral or like morality, mm -hmm. but I also think that morality is different for a lot of people in different ways. I mean, you've got like your basic 10 commandments, right? Like that's, that's one Judeo Christian. Yes. Or very, some people, very the Christian view. Yep. commonly known set of, uh, things that you should abide by. And if you're virtuous in that sense, I would think you follow those rules. Am I wrong? No, 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 no. I think that the, the, the I guess the differentiation between a virtue and morality, there, there is a, a wide one. Um, morality is more in association to the, I guess, I guess you could look at morality as like the, um, the, the, the gravitational pull of what virtue is tied into, I guess. Um, if that makes any sense, does that make sense? Like, like the, the centerpiece of an art piece and virtue is the accents. Okay. Right. So do you want, so, so, so if you're a person who wants virtue, you'll take moral action. You'll yeah, you'll take moral action in accordance to own personal standards uh, that uh, uh, tied into whatever moral moral compass that you have. What I, I guess me saying that is kind of a bunch of just uh, just nonsense. It's kind of a very cyclical discussion. That's why this is kind of a, a difficult discussion to to bring up without giving some background. But I guess to to give our listeners a definitional view of what virtue is it's basically a behavior showing high moral standards so you know if you for example see someone getting mugged and you go and help them that could be seen as virtuous now granted the other end of that spectrum is the mugger might need that thing and you helping them would be anti-virtuous to that mugger's intent but again there have to be social societal standards and i think that's where a lot of people are getting kind of really confused these days is they they have 
a very um, utilitarian view of a lot of things, or de- or maybe e- even de- deontological view of a lot of things. Um, and I think that's conflating, and we'll discuss that in detail in a, in a little bit. But I think that's conflating and confusing a lot of people in relation to virtue. And again, you know, when it comes to the virtue that you mentioned, you're only going to understand that virtue and that morality associated with Judeo-Christian beliefs if you have any. Un- you know, if you have any background in that area, if you don't have any background in the area, you really don't have a lot of reference point. Sure. Um, <clears throat> now to fully flesh this out, we need to take the discussion of virtue to its historical origin, um, otherwise known as virtue ethics, uh, a class of normal, normative ethical theories, the study of ethical behavior branch of philosophical ethics that investigates questions associated with how to act in a moral sense, likely another episode entirely, by the way, um, virtue ethics treat moral virtue as central to ethics. Um, now, a virtue is a morally good disposition to think, feel, and act well in some domain of life. Now, there are a lot of different examples you could probably give for that, but I guess... So, so okay. Mm-hmm. Pause for a second. Pausing. Last thing I want to do is sound insensitive, so so bear with me here. If How you were you? If you were to grow up in an indigenous tribe in, you know, the, the jungle of... Brazil somewhere near the Amazon Mm -hmm. and your tribe uh you know has has certain things that they do for like coming of age you know you have to uh go hunt a certain animal or something like that I don't know that's why I'm saying I don't I'm just throwing something out there uh and then that is a virtue for that young person in that tribe to complete that thing yes and then here in southern california you grow up in a a family that is very much like a vegan family that doesn't eat any animal products it would be virtuous to respect the rights and well-being of the animal yeah so so i guess these are so so virtue isn't isn't it doesn't have like a a universal standard it's where you're well in accordance to virtue ethics and i'll get into it there, there is a universal standard now this whole topic in and of itself is hotly debated but i guess a good way to look at it is there are virtues as you're saying relative to the particular group and or individual relative to whatever moral standards that their own culture or ideas hold right so in western civilization a virtue for us is maybe not to murder people Mm-hmm. Like like that, that that would be like a, and there's a the list of virtues that I'll talk about that we have kind of pushed to the sidelines of society um, in a maybe a popular sense in a pop culture sense um, and I think that's where a lot of these conflations and problems are coming along um, and we'll get into that in a sec but yes it, to answer your question if you are in a small tribe um, like North Sentinel Island uh, it would be virtuous of you to defend your tribe against what you perceive to be aliens right yeah or invaders yes exactly yeah or to like find food or to take care of so that's and that's another that that would go you know the same reason why somewhere like north central island they aren't punished in the same way but again who was not living on but but, but again true but again we have to take into consideration that a virtue in and of itself was created initially by plato and aristotle right so that idea was from i bet they were so much fun at parties well uh, that idea probably not um well actually no they probably were they did some wild things i don't know i've played assassin's Um, creed and uh it's the only game you've ever played wait neither one of them were in that game so socrates was in that game socrates socrates Socrates. Good old Socrates. Socrates, Socrates. Um, Socrates. Um, he was cool in that game. All right, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, Socrates is a, t- a, a, a part of this as well. So oh. I, I guess my whole point is you have to take into consideration that certain cultures do not have the reference point that we do because they're not based off of moral 
idea or not moral god jeez wow or canceled uh they're not based off of western views of what moral ideology is um sure so that, that that's where this kind of gray area comes in which makes this very complicated because what we tend to do here in america is we tend to look at something in other cultures um as being specifically po- important relative to those cultures and as of very late we have taken a very interesting position um in preferential um say this we, we've taken a very interesting position uh especially in the younger generations in being preferential towards ideologies that we don't really ever experience or understand in depth because we can't a lot of people don't travel out of the country but the more um, you but, empathize with but that. We, we also have a habit of kind of taking a shit on enlightenment principles um just as of late well well the the quandary here is if the more that you are and this is not me taking a stance at all. This is just the big quandary here. The the more that you are open and accepting to things that are not necessarily quote unquote moral in your day to day life, the less you see it as moral in your day to day life anyway. It, you you don't have standards to hold anything to, and that's why so many people are probably confused about what they actually believe well yeah and I, I think that that's an indication of societal decay um which happens in every country and every society over time uh, i i think the real problem here is that and we'll get to this but in place of virtue people have taken things that are otherwise not virtuous according to the traditional sense and turning them on their head and making them virtues in accordance to them. That's where the argument of my own personal truth comes in or, you know, right and wrong is relative specifically to the individual. Those may be true statements, maybe in a, a thought, um, it may be in a thought experiment type way. But in practice, especially if you put them in practice rather than keeping them on paper where some of them should stay, they, they have real world consequences um, that people don't have often don't consider. Um, now not to get down a rabbit hole, but yes, your points are, 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 they're decent points. Now, virtue is normally contrasted with consequentialism, my God, consequentialism, um, which basically holds that consequences of one's conduct are ultimate, the ultimate base for judgment about the rightness or wrongness of that conduct. Um, and it is virtue is also contrasted with the deontology, which is the morality of an action should be based on whether that action itself is right or wrong under a series of rules rather than based on the consequences of that action. Um, now, both of those views are, are pretty they're pretty in depth, um, but you can see a lot of that in, in today's traditional sense. Right. In today's traditional views and, and actions, people are more likely to jump onto something or maybe pile onto something that they feel as being invert, not virtuous to them relatively, but in the overall sense of things and according to their own moral standard, not the society's, but their own moral standard uh, are considered to be, you know, I guess right to them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a complicated, there, there's deviances between these studies. These are all normative studies and philosophy. Um, so there's, again, as I mentioned before, please bear with us. This is very high level. Now, Virtue ethics, ethics specifically emphasizes moral virtue or other concepts like eudaimonia, which uh, basically is a person's state of excellence characterized by objective flourishing across a lifetime and brought about through the exercise of moral virtue, practical wisdom, and rationality. Uh, virtue eth- ethics specifically emphasizes um, that moral virtue to an extent uh, you know, is more important than you know, other theories tend to make it out to be. 
Um, so that, that's in contrast, as I stated a little bit ago, to consequentialism and deontology. deontology. Now, uh, virtue ethics originated, like most things in Western culture and Greek philosophy, uh, began with Socrates and was later expounded upon by Plato, the Stoics, and Aristotle. Like I said, fun at parties. Socrates. Socrates. Um, now, uh, virtue ethics originally placed emphasis more on being rather than doing. Uh, morality of someone was believed to stem from their identity or character rather than what they did and the consequences associated. So again, there's these weird deviations in accordance with virtue ethics, consequentialism, and deontology that make them all kind of confusing. Well... <laughs> I mean, so someone is geez, virtuous, I'd stand, right? I'd, I'd have a standoff with this man mm -hmm. if I were to travel back because isn't doing, aren't you defined by your actions? Being my, my atoms, my, my cellular level well, you have is what defines my morality and my virtue. Yeah. So you have to understand though, that this is, this is where we get these, these weird hiccups societally. Is anyone born evil? Is anyone born good? According to so Socrates and oh, what a hack. Plato, yes. I mean, so, I mean, here's the thing is some people... I'm kidding. I guess he had some... Well, but stuff. he's not... Here's the thing is we look at Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, kind of how we look at uh, Freud. You know, there's some things that they said that make a lot of sense, and there's something that said they said Sounds according to, to like what they were person, saying. Like he was a person. Yeah. A human being. Yeah. And uh, people tend to get too focused on whether they were right or wrong rather than, you know, the very study of what they're talking about just to expound upon their own way of thinking, which was, I think was, is the importance here. Was Socrates a rich man? Probably. I mean, maybe I in wonder, accordance to people who were slaves. Like famous. Yeah. Well, it, within his own circles, probably. I mean, I have to imagine he, I mean. Did he experience any real fame when he was like alive? Obviously his teachings are, you know, famed. But I'm wondering like, did he have like money? Yeah, I mean, he was. Was he no like living the high life in Athens? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we don't. I, I we don't. We're not so. sure. Well, here, it's really hard. I'm to, sure he was like lecturing and doing symposiums with a lot of the big, the big guns and. Well, in Greece. you have to remember there these things that we look at now today as being important, specifically like with Socrates in relation to you know Western philosophy. He is the father of Western philosophy. Um, it, it's very hard to be able to determine. I'm sure he was to some degree, but it's mm -hmm. kind of like with a like Mozart. Know. Mozart, you know, died a, a a very poor right. Didn't he die in poverty? Wasn't he like not super know. popular? Or maybe that was Bach. Um, but either either Bach. way, either way, wasn't um, Mozart poisoned? Am I just mixing up all these people? I don't think Mozart was poisoned. Isn't that in the I'm movie? This was the mo <laughs> movie's just a movie. <laughs> Amadeus, right? Oh my gosh, am I getting all these people mixed up? This is embarrassing. It was a rumor. Yeah, his, his, his yeah, yeah, okay. It was untrue. His his it was his his illness was not indicative. I think of in the movie they poisoned him. Yeah, because it was a movie. Yeah, because um, it was a movie. I had to watch that my senior year of high too. school in class in a music class. I love public education um <laughs> watching yeah mozart did die poor he was buried in a pauper's grave okay um, yeah no I, I recall that now yeah Sad. um but is it though is it but his music is played on the radios for infants everywhere because apparently it makes them smart Thanks, 90s. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as stated earlier, you know, this topic of virtue ethics is dynamic. And as of today, most theorists posit that morality is a consequence of intrinsic values. Um, so, i.e. what certain moral values are held in high regard to, by the individual and to what degree of importance they're held. So I think when it comes to Greek, just I guess how Greece operated at that time, obviously their belief 
um, when it comes to virtue and, you know, the gods that they, they worshiped, you know, had a lot to do with people being born in a certain way. I mean, look at like, uh, I guess um, a prime example is, uh, um, the Iliad. I mean, he, the, the, the great heroic story that had a lot of trials and, the and tribulation, but th- both of those books deal with an, a protagonist that was different mm-hmm. than everyone around him. Um, so I guess that's where you can kind of tie in that idea of virtue being a, a more of a state of being rather than a consequence of doing. Um, so intrinsic values specifically unite the various normative philosophies into the field that we're discussing, which is virtue ethics. So all these things are related to each other. They're they're deviations and and derivatives and variations of each said thing, but they're all kind of under the same field that is hotly debated today um, and in a different way. Now, on a side note, uh, Plato and Aristotle's treatment of virtues are not the same. Uh, Plato believed that virtue is effectively an end to be sought, so like a, almost like a becoming Christ-like, um, for which a friend might be a useful means. Aristotle states that the virtue functions more as a means to safeguard human relations, particularly authentic friendship, without which one's quest for happiness is frustrated. So their views are different in the sense of uh, the, the, I guess the, the means the end for either of them. Now, so it sounds to me, let me just millennialize this a little bit in a way that I can better understand it. Maybe someone else can. Cha, bro. Cha. Plato mm. is a Slytherin and Aristotle is a Gryffindor. Maybe. Yeah. Because Plato sees virtue as an end to be sought. So you use your friendships. Mm-hmm. You've got friends in high places, very cunning. And then you've got Aristotle who believes that you need authentic friendship and you safeguard those friendships with virtue. Yes. Very Harry Potter of him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, now, uh, again, I want to reiterate, we could dive deeper into the topics of virtue ethics, and we likely will in the next episodes. Um, but I think it's a it's probably best to revisit this because, again, it's very complicated. Um, the point of our discussion today, though, is to discuss how we perceive virtue in modern day. Um, as it is way different today as, uh, as you know, Plato and Aristotle saw it. Now, before we do so, I think I'm just going to list off a few of Aristotle's virtues to provide some fur- further food for thought for our listeners. So moral virtues of uh, Aristotle, courage in the face of fear. I'm sure everyone's heard of this temperance in the face of pleasure and pain, liberality with wealth and pre- possessions, magnificence with great, um, wealth and possessions, magnanimity with great honors, proper ambition with normal honors, truthfulness with self-expression, wittiness in conversation, friendliness in social conduct, modesty in the face of shame or shamelessness, righteous indignation in the face of injury. That's Um, so crazy. You just defined me personally to a T. I have all of those 11 completely down. Yeah. I never make a mistake. I'm all of those things. I'm I'm sure. Oh, wait, was there something about being humble in here? No. Okay. See, I am. Uh, I'm perfect. <laughs> oh, truthfulness. Truthfulness. Yeah. Well, I just lied. Yeah. On record. Yeah. How dare you? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess uh, here's the thing: is I, these these are kind of like a, uh, I would say a modern Greek version of what I guess the Ten Commandments were uh, to some degree in a lot of ways, and obviously you can see this with the Enlightenment in uh, in um, the Eleven Commandments in Benjamin Franklin's uh, in twelve, I believe, twelve virtues. Um, that we've discussed in, or 13 virtues that we've discussed in, in previous 
uh, podcast. Now, and uh, again, these are things to just kind of think about uh, listening to this. This is not something that we're suggesting you you act in or do, even though some of these things are, are decent ways to look I at I mean, I think it's pretty situations. universal to suggest that people have courage and be friendly and and modest but uh, yeah do maybe you, in I context guess. maybe in context um it just depends now i guess that's where the confusion comes in because people consider uh, rather than their own society they consider the relative problems facing other societies and in doing so are letting the society they're in fall into various various problems now virtue today is a lot different um, Western philosophy tends to marginalize the idea of virtue today um, with the movement towards more of a utilitarian or de- deontological position, as I mentioned previously. Now, just for our listeners to give a few definitions, uh, utilitarianism is a family of normative ethical theories that prescribe actions that maximize happiness and well-being for all affected individuals. Um, so it's a little bit more... I would say that it probably is uh, collective in a lot of ways, but also incredibly... Uh, self-interested in a lot of ways uh, just depends on what context we're discussing um, the basic idea behind you know utilitarianism is in some sense to maximize utility which is often defined in terms of well-being or related concept uh, jeremy bentham the founder of utilitarianism described utility as that property in any to prevent the happening of mischief pain evil or unhappiness to the party whose interest is considered uh, utilitarianism is a version of consequentialism which states that the consequences of any action are the only standard of right and wrong. Unlike other forms of consequentialism, such as egoism and altruism, utilitarianism considers the interests of all humans equally. So there's a little bit of a quandary there um, mm. in creating, you know, considering all humans equally, you know, you have to <laughs> jump some interesting ethical uh, barriers. Oh, nothing like sitting next to someone who's trying to convince you, you know, you're the same as Hitler, right? So that's what that basically is. Um, in some ways, yeah. Uh, now, obviously, as an extreme evaluation, an extreme but. example, but that's what you just described. You know, mm-hmm. and some people may have good argument for that, and they won't. I'm not. I'm not here to. Well, this is as I said. This is a hollywood debate discussion. I don't oh, think, I, and I, I think can it's, only imagine. I think it's it's kind of a cyclical, pedantic discussion, uh, or or semantic. It might be semantic. Um, but it, there there are a lot of cyclical views on this. I don't think there's really any. This right is one way of those topics way. that you could literally talk in circles forever. And yeah, because there's endless examples. Conclusions. It's yeah. just endless. It's like theology. Um, so it sounds like something that Socrates probably did for hours. Yeah. I I imagine I would have, I would have like threatened that man with like an arm wrestling match to get him to shut up would have lost probably maybe uh, <laughs> but... he ate a lot of grapes um oh, i'm <laughs> sure he did now ancient greece baby yeah now grapes uh, in in difference call it? to utilitarianism there's also deontology which is the normative ethical theory that the morality of an action should be based on whether that action itself is right or wrong under a series of rules rather than based on the consequences of the action now I probably have more of a problem with deontology than I have with utilitarianism. I think that deontology God, is that name is it sounds like you're saying demonology. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <You're> okay. <laughs> um, so uh, deontology specifically focuses on the action being more important than the consequence, 
and considers a moral obligation which may arise from an external or internal source set, such as a set of rules inherent to the universe, ethical naturalism, religious law, or a set of personal or cultural values, any of which may be in conflict with personal desires. So prime example is maybe tribalism that's going on these days. Mm-hmm. Probably aligns more with deontology than it does with utilitarianism, even that's though they say that they're utilitarianism. Wait, so what's what's the main difference between those two? that there's a moral obligation in deontology that has more to do with maybe the personal group or cultural group that you're associated with as opposed to considering all the interests of human equally okay so so one is so more of a collective this, view there's a collective versus a, like a selfish sort of or not necessarily no it's one specifically focuses also more on action than on the consequence whereas utility or the utilitarianism focuses on the happiness prescribed by said action to all of the individuals. Does that make so sense? So more, I th- maybe, maybe, as I'm I said, confusing, here. confusing, but maybe like logical versus emotional too. In you some ways, yeah. Um, in some ways. Now, uh, I, I'm painting these out because these are something. These are things that I think people should consider when discussing uh, certain topics: uh, utilitarianism, deontology, virtue ethics, uh, all of these things. They are shown in various ways in our society, and a lot of them tend to be tied to very hotly and very violently political discussions. They're great first date topics. No, <laughs> not at all. Just just ask um, me. Just rec- I, I recommend that you bring these things up on your first date and really just get to know the person right away. I'm convinced you're a chaotic <laughs> evil. Um, n- now, again, uh, just to point out, like, please take this with a grain of salt. These are some things that we encourage you to look into. They are interesting things to read about. We are not the end all and be all with these topics. This is merely our bias um, interpretation of uh, what these topics are. So mm-hmm. please take this all with a grain of salt. Now, in the recent past, uh, and by recent, I mean in the grand scheme of things, not recent to you and I, but re- recent in the grand scheme of things, uh, around 1958, virtue ethics merge into a more contemporary view, which is known as the, I hope I'm saying this right, uh, Aratheic turn. Now, uh, not implying that this exact turn is bad, but it is closely related to and hotly debated uh, in relation to virtue politics and in legal theory, uh, virtue jurisprudence, which basically focuses on the importance of character and human eth- excellence or virtue to questions about the nature of law, the content of law and judging. Um, now, in relation to the overall purpose of this episode, I think it's of utmost importance to discuss our current views in modern culture, especially in relation to the archaic term or art. Or, or, God, it's like heretic, heretic turn um, in relation to virtue signaling, which is something that we see quite often. Mm. Yeah, now mm-hmm. we're wading into some waters that I recognize. Well, I, I think uh, again, not that you know. I think everyone these days, if you're on social media, unless you don't do anything on there and you just kind of lurk, you're probably virtue signaling in some some way well i think people want to be recognized as being good within their own groups right i mean you want to be a part of the collective in a group sense you feel familiarity there you feel acceptance there it's like belonging to a church and wanting to volunteer or belonging to a political organization and wanting to get your political viewpoint across i mean it's the same wanting to lobby grassroots all that stuff sure and and i guess that's a big part of human nature is people want to be a part of a collective in inherently tribalistic sense and a lot of people feel like the only way they can support that collective is through financial or volunteering or time. well prior to social media and then you just quote unquote spread awareness which does 
not much honestly people say that spreading awareness has an impact and it does unfortunately i and this is my opinion so i could be wrong but my opinion is there's a relative net negative to that spreading of awareness depending on the circumstance um it uh, couch potato activism tends to have a very kind of diluted view on a lot of things i think i it's not that i think that quote unquote again spreading awareness or sharing topics that mean something to you online is inherently a bad thing i just think that there is so much going on all the time online that everything gets like you said so diluted that oh not not diluted diluted like delusional oh well i was yeah, i no. was saying diluted That's true too, but no delusional <laughs> okay I, I but think... what, what well just to finish my thought there's so much sure. it's like one of those things where you get almost exhausted. You're like, how I can't like, what can I do about these a hundred thousand things a week going on that make me upset or sad? Cause I can have access to all this information that is, is constantly going on in places in the world. I may never go and have never been and people I may never meet. And I still got my own problems in my own house that I got to mm-hmm. deal with. And then there's all this other stuff going on. It's like, how much of a difference can you make? Some people say one penny, that's all you need to give or one retweet that's all you need to do and it's like well yeah that's what they said in 2012 when we all got joseph coney packs from invisible children i say that as someone who was a part of invisible children Mm -hmm. when i was in high school and the man is still running around the congo or in Today. 20 or in 2020 when everyone posted a black square about an organization I saw, which is considered a scam by the well, way well now, I, I which is pretty funny yeah there's that too i saw I saw in uh it was like maybe it was like a comedy podcast. I, I wish I could remember where I heard it. Oh, I don't know. But, you know, it's so they made a good point. They were like, uh in 2012, did we all really think that we could just give a bunch of money to some organization so they could fly a drone over Africa and hunt down some guy who has yeah. a child army? Yeah. Like we were giving money to the American government to get drones in 2012? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's yeah. just it, well, I mean like I don't know. Well, here's the, the, thing the is, whole thing's tragic. That that whole that's a whole thing in itself. I remember when all that went down. I know. I had a pack. I had a shirt for a long time. Yeah, I judged you hard when I found out too. Oh yeah yeah. So uh, just to let everyone know, I wouldn't consider myself a. Uh, well, no, I'm probably a contrarian individual. Um, yeah, I would say I'm probably contrarian. So when it comes to a lot of these things, I'm very skeptical of them because they uh, tend to be pushed by specific individuals who know more about the subject and topic than the people who are giving money to them, Um, which I have a problem with because like anything in places of power, if you don't understand what you're giving to or you don't understand what you're actively engaging in, then you're most likely being taken advantage of. Um, So that's my position on a lot of this. Now, what's interesting, maybe in relation to Coney or, uh, I mean, uh, you know, that one organization that I'm not going to mention, um in detail or i mean there's a a blue lives matter is a great example uh the alternative to the other organization i mentioned people they get passionate about things that i think they have a point in getting passionate about but their availability bias shows through because they don't consider the ramifications of the extremes in which they're jumping on um people meet extremes with more extremes and then everyone just looks everyone just looks like an idiot in the end well and i think the the real problem is that and we'll get to you know virtue signaling a little bit more in depth but i think the real problem our society is is facing i mentioned this with the bull before is i think we're having a little bit of a uh, a, a crisis of identity 
Um, you know, for a long time, America has been the world police. There's a reason why Team America is such a fucking hilarious movie, even today. Um, for those of you who don't know, written by Matt Stone and Trey Parker, absolutely hilarious, the guys from South Park. Um, but, but there's a lot of truth there, is that a lot of people had this view of America being, you know, this, this, this beacon on a hill. And in a lot of ways, it is. There's a lot of things here that we can be proud of. There's a lot of things that we should be proud of. Um, but the problem with this virtue signaling bullshit that has come along uh, as of late, because it's not an old term, it is relatively new, um, is it conflates all of those things into one exact pile based on your perception of what those things are. They're either really good or they're really bad. And no one has the ability to differentiate and con and, and put these various problems into the associated boxes that they should be in. Um, you know, it, it's like my, you know, what... Uh, you know, the the individual who birthed me said, um, not my mom, my father. No. Just take he all that there? deep rage. He put his feet up in the stirrups and compartmentalize and it? it. No, I, I'm I'm joking. He never <laughs> said this. This is just. But but it, for a lot of things, what I've determined is probably the healthy way of doing things is to really treat things in a, a probably a compartmentalist fashion, right? So you you view one subject and say, okay, well, there's a lot of good there. There's a lot of bad things there, and then you take away from it what you will. A lot of people don't do that. They see it only good, all good or all bad. Um, and we have an extreme problem with that in America these days, especially with millennials and, and, and Zoomers and even Gen X to some degrees and, and, and boomers and all the other generations. Everyone has, every generation is, is screwed. Um, but we have a lot of problems here because we have a problem uh, from separating our emotional bias and availability bias from the specific thing that we're talking about. Because uh, like, it's like with, um, you know, with, with 2020, right? whole bunch of shit that we're talking about happened in 2020. Um, and people had an inability to separate themselves from the experience of what was going on. They identified on either end with specific things that fit within their own worldview, perceived worldview, and then they extrapolated that perceived worldview onto their quote-unquote enemies. When in reality, we all want the same thing. And we all initially early on agreed about the same thing. It was very evident that we were all on the same page. Uh, it was only until people who were grifters and political activists and, 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 and bad faith actors came in and said, no, 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 no. You guys are all wrong. And then people started looking at the virtue of those said things and they started virtue signaling. And that's the problem I have with all this is by in doing a virtue signal, and, and, and this is the criticism that I have, but you're not being virtuous. You're not being virtuous by telling other people that you are virtuous. That's bragging. That's not a virtue. That's being arrogant. That's being self-absorbed. That's being narcissistic. Those are not virtues. Um, and they are the problem with those things. And I'm not to say that you can't be those to some degree. We discussed narcissism last week. There's there's evidence that some of it is healthy, but taken to the extreme, you are more concerned about your own benefit and your own priors and your own ideas as opposed to the collective understanding that hey, some things have nuance. And it, that's the problem that we have here is because at the end of the day, as you said, and we discussed a second ago, everyone wants to be a part of a group. And at the end of the day, we're all a part of the same group. We are all in the same country. We all should have the same ideas when it comes to the benefit of each other, our countrymen and our friends that we can disagree, but they are our friends. And from a political and from a, a social perspective, they are family without the, the bloodline. Because if someone hurt, decides to harm the country, are you just going to let them harm you and everyone else around you? I mean, that's, that's the question I have for a lot of people who, who decide to other those around them is uh, your own blinded bias, uh, your own bias blinds you. Like it, you can have virtue and you can look at others and don't and not agree with that virtue, but you don't have to go around telling everyone that you're virtuous because in doing so it makes you non-virtuous. Um, and I guess that's my whole criticism here. And that's why I guess I wanted to talk about this this week because it's something that is so pervasive 
and this is obviously a playing into the availability bias because I only know so many instances, but this is something I see quite a lot is, is, is people spending a lot of their time focused on what they perceive to be virtuous in, you know, verbal cues as opposed to actual action that won't get recognized. Mm-hmm. It's like someone who gives money to a homeless person and then tells everyone around them all the time that they give money to the homeless. Why do you have to tell anyone? Mm. But <laughs> are you looking for kudos? <laughs> well, yeah. And I think that, you know, that's what social media is, right? Yeah. You weren't there. So I need to tell you about it. Well, it, it is that. And it's also an echo chamber. So you can surround yourself with people that think just like you and don't well, deviate you from your position. you also don't feel like you're alone. Maybe a lot of people who felt voiceless now feel like they have some sort of voice. Even if it's only, you know, 25 people watching them on their stories, that doesn't mean that it's any, you know, it's 25 more people than they would have been if they were talking to the mirror. Yeah, but I guess the question I have is, isn't technically talking to someone who believes everything you believe in essence alone? Because at a certain point, you're never going to have any disagreement. You're going to think the same way. A lot of people want that. And if you look in the mirror, you're looking at yourself. Oh, sure. But a lot of people want that. A lot of So people, they want to be lonely. I, I think a lot of people want to be um, acknowledged and confirmed that they're right. Yeah, but you can be acknowledged and confirmed in opposition with other people by having an open discussion and understanding the position from the person apart from That's you. a very logical and mature way to approach it, but I don't think that's universally true for everybody in the sense of not that it couldn't be true is that people don't feel that way well i think the problem therein though is that if you're basing everything on your own emotional appeal because that's what that is is your emotional appeal then at the end of the day you're basing everything off of something that is only subjective to yourself if i can look at your face and see what you're feeling i could maybe guess what your emotion is but the human recognition of emotion is oftentimes not accurate I mean, I can look at someone like RBF. You can see someone walking down the street and they can have RBF or uh, RDF, <laughs> which is my favorite one. Uh, arresting bitch face or arresting dick face. <laughs> uh, sorry, my immature 12-year-old came out. Um, but uh, I, I guess my, my whole point is they may look like they're angry, but that doesn't mean they're feeling angry. So in saying all these things, I get your point. People want to be confirmed in their emotions because they feel that that validates themselves, but it doesn't value their, their thoughts are not their emotions. Their emotions may fuel their thoughts and they may fuel action. But at the end of the day, if you don't separate those things, you're entirely controlled and subjugated to something that may at times be out of your control. If you haven't maybe developed some level of uh, containment, I mean the, the very part of being, in my opinion, observation of virtuousness, because I asked you about this, what a virtuous, my very opinion, on uh, my opinion on being virtuous has to do everything with, you know, control, has everything to do with control. Because if you can control your emotions, if you can control your thoughts, if you can control your, your vices, if you can control the things within your life that you know, you know, don't make you a terrible person if you engage in them, with that being said, are also not good for you if you engage in them all the time, then if you can't control those things, you're weak and you're not virtuous. Well, it all depends on the tools that you have at your disposal and the things that you learn to deal with those things. What about addicts? What about people who are mentally ill? Do who, all of them have a brain? I'm not saying... I'm not they, saying and mentally ill, I think, I'm, is a different situation there. I'm talking about people like baseline for baseline because this is where I think people get caught up. Got to have a baseline. Baseline here is not people who are mentally ill because I think that is an outlier. Okay. Well, then, yes, people have a brain, but also people have a different set of circumstances that often lead them to making certain decisions in their life and approaching certain circumstances with uh, the mindset that may align with yours or Mm -hmm. may say, I need to make a decision here that 
aligns more with my needs than theirs or the needs of the whole. Sure. People make selfish decisions all the time. But I don't think that that has, I don't think that that has a net negative result when it comes to having some sort of level of control. I think that that is all subjective. That's where, again, people get caught up in the weeds because they look at that one thing. It's like a discussion I had in uh, high school. Uh, I guess this is this is subjective again, so it's just an example. Um, and I'm sure other people may have had this experience because there, I'm sure there's various thought experience that teachers engage in that are similar across curriculum. With that being said, uh, there was a discussion of uh, a man who stole from someone who owned a business. Um, mm-hmm. And was that man justified in stealing because he had to feed his family? The position I take on that is no, he's not justified in stealing because there are other options you have available. And people say, well, what about, what if there are no options? Well, that's like saying, well, what if the sun doesn't exist? Uh, There are always, there are always alternatives. And sometimes when people, when people say that there are not alternatives, I think they're giving themselves an excuse to align with something that is inherently ethically and morally easier to align with than the thing that is the harder thing to align with. I think what people are saying when they say that is there, there was no alternative that was uh there was there was no easy other alternative yeah but that's but not then the that, premise but though. then that goes that's right back false, that's a false premise but the i know but the the quote is it's always better to do what's right than what's easy sure and yeah it's really easy to just <laughs> some people say it's not easy to steal you know you gotta like degrade yourself or whatever or, or you gotta sneak around or sure well it's like you said there's no other choice well if the sun doesn't rise or the earth explodes, there's no other choice. Okay. So if we're coming down to literally, there's no other choice, then why are we even asking this in a debate? Well, it's, it's not a, here the the problem I had with that obviously is it's, it's an ethical, it's a, it's a, it's a pedantic discussion. It's a thought experiment that is not very good. It's like, it's like the, the, you've heard of the train. Um, uh, what is it? The, the the train, um, the train, the, the train thought experiment. There's a specific name. I know what you're talking about. It's when they're saying, "Would the you the trolley problem? Would you save one person on one railroad?" Or well, it's an ethical it's an ethical quandary, right? Um, and it, obviously, there's a specific answer to it. Um, but the idea is behind it, the idea, and this is <laughs> was extrapolated in 2020. Um, is you know, would you sacrifice one person to save a larger number of people? Um, which uh, I'm pretty sure there's some interesting statements by dictators in relation to that. Um, so I think I think Stalin said something. Stalin say something like that uh, about the one as opposed to the collective. Um, I think the better I think question he said is indivi- the death of an individual is a tragedy. Wait a sec. I'm going to look up this quote. I think the better question would be would you um, it, the, uh, the group of people versus the most important person to you? Yeah, so Stalin said, uh, Joseph Stalin, a man who was responsible for fucking millions of deaths, said, the death of one man is a tragedy, the death of millions is a statistic. <laughs> Very callous way of looking at things. Well, no, um, I'm, I'm saying, like, literally, the better question is, it's not a stranger who's the one person, it's, like, the person you love most in the world versus... Yeah, but again, and that that could, like they make they make freaking the, video games. That's all yes. the Last of Us. But the the Spoiler real alert. the real the reality though is that's kind of in a, a a it's a it's a moral quandary introduced specifically to get you to think about why it's a moral quandary. Now again, back to the virtue signal because I think we're going down a path here. But I, I think the problem is that a lot of people need to understand that sometimes in certain situations you need to separate your own personal, moral, ethical, and um, 
and you know subjective bias from the situation that you're approached with not to say that you should throw ethics and morals out the window but you need to understand that just because your own personal compass seems to be correct to you does not mean it's that it's correct in the whole sphere and that goes for me saying this like i could be fucking wrong i could be totally wrong we could all be wrong that is a possibility but again if 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 that isn't considered as a possibility then the premise that you're making is non-falsifiable right so you you can't you can't you have a one-dimensional premise that is only your premise that is only verified by your view. And if anyone is obje in objection to that view, then you get angry and violent and you don't like it. And that's the problem that people have today, especially with this Coney thing or with the, the Blue Lives Matter or I think it was like Black Tuesday in 2020 when, when – a bunch of companies oh, decided know. to virtue signal um, about virtue specific si situations. Let's talk about virtue signaling. Look at Black History Month and uh, gay and uh, gay pride. Oh, what is it called? I think it's Gay Pride Month. Is I, it? I, is it June? Well, whatever. The point is, while I'm sure there are plenty of people in the world who utilize those, yeah, it's as LGBT reasons. Okay, History yeah. Month. Okay. Well, then, how the thing is, <laughs> a lot of these companies just use it as an, a marketing opportunity. That's all it is. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the truth you, well, you see it immediately all february all june well, i think the problem they th change the icons on everything yeah, and it it's like nothing. what um, are we really doing for black people or, or people in the lgbtq plus community but, uh, but to make just that changing our logos on our yeah but to make that argument one month of the year is the equivalent of uh you know it's it's like with uh it's like with anniversaries yeah i think anniversaries are great it's a celebration but I sometimes think people look at anniversaries as shallow. Like you and I, I'm not going to like remember you once a year. I'm going to treat you with respect, uh, you know, as my spouse oh, every day. And this is not me so trying to get points. Sweet. So stop being, stop being. So cheeky. what are we going to do for Valentine's Day? We're not talking week? about that. Valentine's Day is a bullshit <laughs> holiday and I don't like it. Um, but again, Dang, it's bullshit. I just got Total bullshit. I think, I think holidays in general are bullshit unless it comes to Christmas, which is the greatest holiday um, or Halloween, which is the, the, the Second antagonist greatest? to the greatest holiday, which is fine. Cause I enjoy it just as much. Um, but again, like I, I think these things have been taken to this extreme where they're just kind of unreasonable. Like if, if you're looking at something like black history month, or if you're looking at something like LGBTQ history month, or really any month that is specifically designed to focus on one particular thing in doing so, you are marginalizing that group of people and individuals by giving them their own month as if they're not relevant the other months of the year. Like and in Which doing, and by the way, by the way, much are these days. Well, but by the way, even if they are or not, in doing that though, the counter argument is you're creating this society in which, okay, well now you have to walk on eggshells around that individual or the group or those groups because of that particular thing that is in existence for some reason. Look, I, I'm totally okay with celebrating these people because why? Not because of their views, not because of what they identify as, not because of what they think, because they're valuable as humans. We can celebrate them every day. And we don't have to celebrate them to the extent of, oh, let's talk about only them. Because everyone in the relation to that context is just as valuable. Your views and your virtues do not make you any better than the person next to you, which is the problem I have with this. Well, because the these too is like black history is American history and LGBTQ L is, American, is history. American history. These things are so specifically created to divide groups who are sensitive to those particular things. Like Christianity, for example, we look at, we look at LGBTQ. There are obviously a lot of quandaries within Christianity relation to that. That doesn't mean that Christians should treat those people like shit, and it doesn't mean that people who want to do what they want to do in their bedroom or out in public, even though I think that's kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing that I think 
probably pulled back a little bit, but and just in the name of traditionalism. But with that being said, it doesn't mean they need to be dicks to each other. They can be nice to each other. They can appreciate each other. And that's where I get tied up in this thing is it's like, guys, you were so blinded by your own bias that you're unwilling to accept that everyone around you is just like you, a human being. They all deserve respect. Their ideas all deserve to be heard. And we can all have collective discussions about these things and still disagree and still like each other. And a lot of people, a lot of people, no matter where you stand on any issue, any issue, I'm not just talking about religion or, or, you know, sexual identification or anything like that, or your sexual orientation, excuse me, any of that. Well, probably probably both. Gender identification, whatever. Doesn't matter where you stand. Most people in the world, this is a big I'm going to drop the hammer. Most people in the world don't care. That's a broad stroke. Broad stroke. I care way more. I care more than you. Okay. Well, no, that's the truth. (sighs) I care about it more than you do. My my problems, my my problems, your problems. Don't matter. Most people don't care. Well, even if they don't care, they don't matter in the grand scheme. Maybe we'll get some people to care, but most people don't care. And I think... And and, uh, most people just like want you to be happy, but they're not going to spend every waking moment of their of their day trying to make you happy. Which, again, now to tie back into virtue signaling is I think that's where the problem comes in. Because virtue signaling has now taught people that things that are not virtue should be virtuous. Prime example is like revenge. You can both those both of those topics that we discussed a second ago involve a lot of that. Like we can talk about the the consequences in relation to historical acts of grievance, and we can talk about the present day problems in which people who had nothing to do with the past should be, you know, tied into those things. We can have a discussion about that till the end of time, but at the end of the day, whether it's from the taxpayer dollar or from the personal pocket, because they're both the same, they're both synonymous. What happened in the past won't change. And so I think when it comes to these virtues of signaling whose idea is better and which lifestyle is better and who thinks which is moral and yada, 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 it's a pedantic argument specifically designed to divide people. That's all it is. Like, look, there are certain things that, yes, I have ethical and moral issues with in relation to anything. I think that there are certain ways as an individual, and I have my own opinions, even though I'm considered like, super evil these days i have my own opinions about things um that are relevant just as much as the person next to me and fuck the people who say it's not because they they, they, they're angry that the same thing would be said to them it's a never-ending cascade of nonsense if we're gonna have this discussion of well only certain people it's like with uh it's like that uh um what is it it's uh um intersectionality that whole idea of intersectionality is nonsense because all it's doing is it's taking the popular discussion a topic per pop culture and the wealthy individuals of culture, taking that popular discussion and elevating people who are currently popular within the culture of subcultures that they're in, in the broad culture of American society, and elevating them based on merits that are, intri- that are not even intrinsic, that are, that are mostly visual and verbal. That's stupid. That's illogical. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, when we talk about, you know, being in a culture that would operate effectively, don't you want to be in one where people like operate by, you know, a standard that is relevant and equal to everybody? Because if you don't, then you're the problem. And when it comes to virtue signaling, you know, a prime example, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, as a definition is it's an attempt to show other people that you are a good person, for example, by expressing opinions that would be acceptable to them. So you're basically brown nosing. Which, by oh. most standards, people who I know who brown knows don't give a shit about what they're saying. Oh, what does she say? What does Miss Umbr- Umbr- Umbridge? Oh, no, no, not Umbridge. No, 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 Umbram? no. 
Lizzie McGuire movie. Ungermeyer. Oh. Ungermeyer. What was her name? I don't know. Brown noser. But um, Hold I on. mean, this no, is no. these things quick, are specifically related to social media, and that expression obviously is used to imply that virtue being signaled is often exaggerated or insincere. And in most personal cases that I've been associated with, it is. It's exaggerated or insincere. I mean, you can see you can see a lot of it on um on people's faces these days. <laughs> which is hilariously and it's hilarious to me and also fascinating um, that people we've gotten to a point in society where people they virtue signal with what's on their face um, which again it just really doesn't make any sense to me because you should be a part of the group and collective uh, in association to what you think not in association to the things that you say to others to get them to like you because that means that you're deceptive Again, I, I just I, I wish I wish we could go back to the the normal times like two thousand and eight. <laughs> I think I figured out what I was thinking. Yes, what was it? So in the Lizzie McGuire movie, Miss Ungermeyer, I'm pretty sure that's her name. She says to Gordo, mm-hmm. who's Lizzie's best friend, mm-hmm. she says that she thinks his name David Gordon in Italian means that he's a sneaky little brown noser with a hidden agenda. That's what I was thinking of. Wow, it was a different world back then. Um, yes, it was. Which, you know what, frankly, I would Middle ra- schoolers went to Rome for their eighth grade trip. I would rather be in that world, frankly. Because I, I think in that world, people can Freaking have open Rome. discussions. Can you imagine? Well, people in that world can have open discussions and not be afraid of being uh, just thrown into the, the, the dark depths of hell by one stupid statement that everyone fucking makes at all points of time in their life. But you know, the world we live in now makes me look at Lizzie McGuire and say... Were there no minorities in that movie? I don't know how to react to some of the things that you're saying. Um, <laughs> it weren't. Well, it's it's. I, I just I think uh, at the end of the day, a lot or of people just don't have Italian. the they, they don't have the ability to to evaluate their own bias, and they not that they don't have the ability that would be giving them too much merit or credit. They they choose not to. Um, and you know, just something to note on the virtue signaling aspect of things. Uh, one version of virtue signaling is called greenwashing, uh, which is when a company deceptively claims that its products or policies are more environmentally friendly than, in fact, that they are. Um, what? I have a problem with a lot of these things, specifically that one. I find a little ironic uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, specifically because first world countries um, were here through a lot of trial and error and in doing so and in the act of globalization, which by the way, um, I I don't know if it's popular anymore. Uh, I don't know if it ever was popular. It was, I don't know if it still is, but the the people who make these arguments are probably in maybe in support of globalization because they definitely don't want to be in support of isolation or isolationists or nationalism. They don't want to be in support of all that, but they'll criticize the very system that has allowed them to have the current day experiences to be able to care about that stupid stuff and by stupid stuff i mean stuff that it you know in relative to starving is you know a problem that is purely first world not to say that we shouldn't be aware not to say we shouldn't have these discussions just merely to observe that sometimes being an american and making these arguments is about as ignorant as you possibly can be because there's a lot of people in the world uh probably about six billion of them who don't have the luxury of being able to be concerned about these things that in the grand scheme of things, I'm sorry, guys is not going to kill you in 12 years. It's not. If you read enough about it, you can tell it's not going to kill you in 12 years. Cause ironically, all the people making these discussions of the end of the world are all politicians. They're all politicians. 
They're not, look, scientists will make the discussion, the, the, the 12 o'clock thing where one minute to midnight thing. That discussion is a great discussion to have. And it has been around for a long time. And as we've seen over the last two years, and as we've seen over the course of human history, scientists are often wrong about a lot. Not to say that we can't believe them, not to say that we can't have criticisms of them. I just wish that we wouldn't have these hyperbolic arguments that are uh, that are that are forms of virtue signaling. They're, they're false platitudes. I don't know. I think that nature is healing. I saw two years ago in March 2020... The end of March 2020, there were swans in the Venice Canal. Which, ironically enough, by the way, um, Dolphins you say too. nature is healing. I say that whenever I see a mask on the ground. You I see it that. all the time. I see masks on the ground all the time. All the time. And I can promise you, I would bet money. I would bet money. I bet a lot of money right now that a lot of the people who are clutching pearls in that way uh, would believe the thing that I just stated a second ago, that the world will end in 12 years, according to the uh, very very um, highly educated bartender who is in Congress AOC. I just want to, I just want to state that a lot of this stuff, we need to take a step back and look at it in a rational way. And a lot of these virtue, these virtue signaling ideologies that have made it into mainstream because everyone does it now. Mainstream media does it. Politicians do it. All of this is clouding our accurate view of things in which human, the human race, we have a, the capability to overcome some of the most incredible boundaries that, that, other species have not been able to do so in doing because if you want to talk about the discussion of like veganism uh, we can talk about whether or not it's ethical to eat animals all we want but if you make that argument you have to make the logical argument that eventually eventually due to evolutionary uh you know traits and evolutionary advancement that animals will reach the point of humankind in some way shape or form right they'll have emotions they'll have cognitive thought they'll have a oh, social and uh and and um and you know spatial awareness and if that's the case, then you have to make the argument that, you know, based around these things, that if that's the case, then there is a there is a a, a positive aspect that is blatantly ignored for the, uh, at least when it comes to human advancement and when it comes to animal advancement, um, that is blatantly ignored in favor of these alarmist ideologies because they all give you power, right? I mean, because if, if, if I run into someone, if I run down the road screaming and yelling and saying oh my god there's a job if no one has any reference point i say oh my god there's an earthquake it's gonna come and no one has any ability to check it oh my god people are gonna check you know the end of the world's gonna happen the end is nigh and people see something they'll they'll run around with their heads cut off and that person screaming that thing can then go take advantage of those people you see it all the time in society people will scream about something they'll get someone on their side and then they'll take advantage of that group duping the group because of the argument they made it, it, it's bad faith acting it's like the the new movie that's now up for an Oscar. Uh, we watched it. The uh, Don't Look Up. Oh yeah, hilarious! I think there was very funny parts of that great movie. movie. There was very funny parts of that movie. Again, uh, the argument is not lost on me because the argument is that the you know it, the argument at the end of the day is that all the scientists are all right. That's the argument, and I, I'm okay with that to an extent. Right? We got to take some of these people who are experts quote-unquote in their field with a grain of seriousness we also have to understand that because of the society we live in because it's the way it is those people also have incentives to say certain things and act in certain ways i, I hate going back to this topic but it's a topic that's so relevant to everyone prime example is that dr fauci the guy has changed his position more times than not and now he's out saying that oh we don't we don't need to do these things anymore according to what well 
That's the question that I have for a lot of this. Is hey, Look, I'm not trying to say that people are wrong in operating in their own autonomous ways. That is not what I'm saying. Everyone has the right to do what they want and think how they want to, right? When it comes to relativeness in association to people around you. As long as you're not being a dick, free to do what you want to do, okay? That's how I see things. If I'm not an asshole to everyone around me in a physical, physical way, that's fine. I can do what I want. And when it comes to these certain things, what I'm tired of is people looking at a virtue be it uh, accreditation or a way someone carries themselves or a way someone operates or the way someone says something as being more important than the things that they have blatantly decided to disregard in any sense. Yeah. Well, well, you, you brought, you brought up Dr. Fauci and I will just end it on this note then. Well, we have other things we need to talk you talk. And this, cover. I mean the yeah. topic of Fauci, sure. uh, <laughs> my favorite comedian tim dylan who i've brought up before and who i highly recommend everyone go and check out because he is just an absolute delight but he made a point <laughs> if you don't know who tim dylan is this may sound callous but if you do it's gonna probably make you laugh he said that dr fauci was such a loser even he didn't get invited to epstein's island <laughs> Wow, that's terrible. That is so terrible. You look at me as if I say bad things and then you come out with that. I didn't uh, say it. Tim <laughs> Dillon said right, it. Right, 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 right. No, I get it. Horrible. Oh, look, I, I'm but not... no one seems to be talking about that, huh? Well, again, I think. Because I... Ghislaine, 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 whatever. Well, that went away real quick, right? Oh, yeah. Now, what happened? What Who she... were those 12 people that they were going to mention? Who were those all those wealthy know, people so they were going to talk about? Weird how that just went away. I mean, lest we forget, Strange. this man was trafficking Children? young Children? children children he was trafficking children again and, and she and, helped too so well, well here's the here's the thing that i guess i have uh and again i don't want to try and make it seem like i have my own uh, it's very obvious i have my own ideas and perceptions about what's been going on they may or not be true they may be right whatever i don't give a shit because at the end of the day whether i'm right or wrong it doesn't change anything and i don't like holding things over people's head with that being said you know you make a good point we we are focused on so many things in in uh in an effort to try and prove that we are virtuous that we ignore things that are actual problems well it's just like um what people say about like human trafficking well, actual problem no i mean like the argument of certain types of like horror movies or 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 um violent video games mm -hmm. where which simulate these acts of extreme violence what are you and talking people, about well i'm saying that how, how it dare you it desensitize they, Right. Lots of studies yes, say yes, yes. that it desensitizes you debunked, to violence. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. They're not all debunked. Just most of them. Anyway, desensitizes you to violence. And in the same well, wavelength, then it stuff like this desensitizes you to all sorts of atrocities all over the world. All sorts of things that would like you you would hate to go down in your own house, but they're going down on well, your planet, and you just well, you you're like, well, it desensitizes meh. you because your virtue makes you focus on the own narrative that's tied to your own virtue. Mm -hmm. And if you go in, if you if you go against the grain, the people within your virtue group will point you out and cancel you, or call you out. When in reality, the arguments that you're making aren't incorrect or wrong. I mean, it's a prime the prime thing is like what's going on with Joe Rogan right now. I mean, like, like who? Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's a bunch of individuals, all of them for some reason, celebrities, all of them for some reason uh, who have the ability to gain quite a lot if he goes away, making these arguments that they know are false. 
Well, and, and and here's the thing is we can we can talk about these things because I think we should talk about them. We all should also understand with a grain of salt that we can't have unreasonable standards across the board. You can't have standards for thee, but not for me. We can't do that. It's not it's not how society can operate. And in, in relation to anything. And here's the thing is the, the people that are trying to cancel him right now are making that very same argument in relation to their own virtuous discussions that they have in their own echo chambers. Yeah, well. Like, it's like you can't do that because the – like, look, we all have our own ideas and own thoughts. We all – all of them are relevant and all of them should be listened to. But if we can't seem to treat people who are outside of our friend group with the same respect and standards as we would treat people within our friend group, then there's no point. The discussions don't need to be had. And that's the the problem that I think a lot of people are having. It's like, do we really need to draw these these thick lines based around these virtues that we claim to be so important to us where all we do is tweet about them and talk about them like we're talking about now rather than doing anything? Uh, do we really need to draw thick lines about that? I don't think we should. I think that's stupid. I think that's dumb. It's counterintuitive. In fact, it's counterintuitive to your own thing that you're making virtuous to yourself. Wouldn't you want people to hear you out in a positive way? And wouldn't you want to listen to other people's arguments so that if you can logically convince people to your side, your group grows? Isn't that how things work? And I, I guess I guess the real problem I have with virtue as um, as British journalist James Bartholo- the Bartholomew and virtue signaling, the real problem I have with it, as he stated, is uh, no one really has to do anything. Virtue comes from mere words or even from silently held beliefs. There was a time in the distant past when people thought you could only be virtuous by doing things. That involves effort and self-sacrifice. We've decided to take out the last two parts, the self-sacrifice and the effort. By listening to someone's argument that you don't like, you are self-sacrificing your own bias to hear their argument out. Same thing with effort. It takes a lot of effort to be able to restrain yourself and control yourself. And, you know, virtue signaling has often been referred to in relation to humble bragging by Merriam-Webster editor Emily Brewster and is considered self-glorifying online behavior. I mean, and, and the problem is now it's moving from the online into the real world. That's not, I don't think that's good. You know, often I think the net effect tends to be disingenuous, disingenuous and lacking really any clarity or direction, honestly, because you don't really care. You just want to hear, have people hear what you say. You just want to be heard, whatever that means. You don't want to be understood. You want to be heard in relation to anything. I don't. I. I don't understand why wouldn't you want to be understood? Wouldn't that make more sense? So, I, and look, I guess I'm. I'm being a little bit uh, condescending in a lot of ways here. And and the only reason I'm being that way is because at a certain point in time, you know, the patience that I have for a lot of these things has just kind of gone away. Not in the sense that I don't want to hear arguments because I'm. I'm happy with discussing these things with people in a, a logical and and well-laid manner I, I just wish that we would be able to I, at the end of the day, get along honestly and i feel like virtue signaling kind of gets in the way with that um and you know by engaging in such behavior in my opinion we are inadvertently making such such things as hate and couch activism and retaliation and ignorance and envy virtues in accordance to our own societal standards and that doesn't create a very good society um so yeah i mean i, I just i i really don't know how to end this after my my frustrated rant I mean, I think we can all get along. I think we can all understand each other. And I think, I think you, I think you just want to be understood, not just heard. Hmm. Do I end there? Do we end there? Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're ending on that very curt statement? I mean, I could 
list off another Harry Potter quote. Yeah, go ahead and list off a Harry Potter quote. Let's let's list off a Harry Potter quote. Let's go ahead and Sense. pull from the insensitive words of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Rowling? 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 Uh, Rowling is how I always did it, but I might be wrong, actually. What does J.K. stand for? Joe. Joanne. I don't know what jo- the K is. Joanne? Joanne's her name. Mm-hmm. I'm looking this up. What is J.K.? What is the K? I don't know what the K is. It's Joe, though. J.K. Rowling. What does that stand for? Joanne Kathleen. Ah, there you go. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now. She was born in 65? Yeah. She doesn't look like she's 65 years Well. She's not 65 years no, old. No, uh, God, jeez. Oh, my God. She doesn't look like she... Sorry, it's late. She doesn't look like she was born in 65. She looks young. Yeah. Well, here's a good quote by Sirius Black. Since we're talking about virtue. Why so serious? We've all got both light and dark inside of us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. That's who we really are. F you, Socrates. Hey, everyone. This is The Wolf speaking, wrapping up yet another episode of The Wolf and Bolt podcast. We appreciate you spending your time with us, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and family, your neighbors, the local bartender, your doctor, your boss, and hell, you can even tell us. By leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can directly help build the Wolf and Bull cult. I mean, uh, the Wolf and Bull family. We can be found on most major podcasting platforms and social media. So what are you waiting for? Scoot on out of here and enjoy your day. But you should probably leave us a review first. But make sure to enjoy your day. But don't forget to leave us a review. Okay, bye.